Today, we are here partly thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you want some free help making a podcast, then listen for more information about Anchor coming up later. Hello humans, hope you are all feeling particularly human-y. My name is Dominic. Mine is Jaden. And I'm Noah. And you are listening to the Modern Fedora Podcast. Today we're talking about robots taking over the world. Really? No. But we are talking about technology. I mean, whether you love it or hate it, whether it's your cup of tea or the bane of your existence, technology is everywhere. And it's changing and improving literally every day. Yes, it is. That's partly why some people have a hard time with tech. Because if you don't keep up, you kind of get left behind. Exactly. And unfortunately, that's the cold, hard truth. However, if you are one of these people, then you've come to the right place. Today, we are talking about some developments in recent tech. So if you're behind, then now's your chance to catch up. And don't think that we're just going to rant on about the newest smartphones or other boring stuff. We like to talk about extremes here. You could say that we're just a little over the top. What? Nah. You think we're living in the future? Uh, according to Back to the Future, no. Yeah, we really missed the mark on that one. (laughs) True, true. But interestingly, futuristic things are happening right now. Um, Before we get started, our information for this segment comes from sciencefocus.com. So if you want to learn more, go check them out. All right, first up in the present future is bionic eyes like thor's maybe i haven't seen them in person obviously but in january 2021 israeli surgeons implanted the world's first artificial cornea into a bilaterally blind man when his bandages were removed he could see and recognize family members immediately this implant fuses naturally to human tissue without being rejected by the body oh that is super cool Yeah. And interestingly, it's not the only bionic eye, which is strange because this is the first time I'm hearing of it. But back in 2020, scientists in Belgium developed an artificial iris on a smart contact lens that worked to correct a number of vision disorders. In fact, scientists are even working on wireless brain implants to bypass the need for eyes altogether. Wow, that is really cool, especially since they're presented with this problem of, uh, especially since they are presented with this problem of blindness and just decide, hey, who needs eyes? Yeah, forget those things. (laughs) Exactly. Who needs eyes? They're so last week. I would be very interested in seeing how those work, though, the brain implant that is, because 
imagine if it's just something you can get and use in addition with your actual site. Like, then you can see in the dark and cool stuff like that. Loads of real-world implications. That I think that would just be, like, useful technology. Speaking of useful technology, we all notice how crowded cities are getting, right? I'd say it's hard not to see it. I agree. Well, that's exactly why people are looking into ways to free up some space for transportation. Right now, the first urban airport is receiving funding from the UK government. It will be a hub for deliver drones and air taxis. It's finally happening. Bring on the drones. Yes, I think that's a scary thought for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. But I do I do think that the US needs to get on this action because you know the UK already has those little grocery delivery robots that like drive around and stuff. So we need to get a share of some of this robot love. I think so too. It it'd be kind of cool to have as a reality just drones and air ta- taxis everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this proof of concept is being built in Coventry and is completely off-grid because it runs on its own hydrogen generator. Oh, nice touch. Yeah, it's supposed to be a clean alternative to all the delivery vans and personnel cars that are everywhere. That makes sense. Uh, Do you know if Amazon or other delivery companies have tried drone delivery yet? I don't know 100%. I feel like... I feel like I remember something about Amazon having that or trying that, Mm -hmm. but I don't know positively 100% for sure. I feel like when Amazon gets delivery drones, we'll all know about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I have like a memory too of like people talking about Amazon doing this, but I don't remember if it was rumors or it was actually tested at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm you know i think i'm curious about these like air taxis because you know i just hear an air taxi and i think of that one scene in back to the future when he comes back in the second movie and he makes the fusion generator for the delorean and they're flying and then the air taxi is behind him so like i wonder how these vehicles would look because you know we don't have hover technology like you saw in back to the future and so like you know, are they going to be like these big drones or are they going to be more like smaller planes? Yeah, I yeah. mean, we we don't really know yet. I was kind of picturing it like a little Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> a Star Wars-esque with the like all the planes and co- all the cars and Coruscant. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was picturing. <laughs> It'd be kind of fun to design. I feel like a lot of people would model their air taxis after star wars vehicles (laughs) oh yeah 100 yeah we should do that will it fly i don't know but it will definitely look awesome yes okay besides flying around in an air taxi which would be super cool but moving on to another piece of technology that we have called smart sutures like medical sutures yep exactly like that so what is one of the biggest worries that come up with surgery? It's infection. Ew. Yeah, very gross and very dangerous. So how do doctors know when a patient's wound is infected? Well, usually they have to wait until the patient shows signs of infection, but not anymore. And this 
um, inventor, this lady has a lot more success in her life than me because at age <laughs> 17, Deja Taylor invented sutures that change color from bright red to dark purple when the wound becomes infected. Wow. How does that work? They actually uh, can detect a change in the skin's pH level. When a wound becomes infected, its pH rises from 5 to 9. And Taylor found that beetroot juice naturally changes, co naturally changes color at a pH of 9. So that is the dye for the suture material. So it's effective and natural. Yeah, but it gets even cooler. So that's like the low-tech natural option. There are also smart sutures available that are coated in conductive material that can sense the status of a wound by changing in the electrical resistance. Then it sends that message right to your smartphone. Whoa. So you can get live updates on your healing status. Exactly. So in countries with smartphones, there you go. In the countries without smartphone access, you have the low-tech beetroot option. Something for everybody. Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, I guess that's something I don't usually think of because I've never had a surgery that needed sutures and stuff, but <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a really cool idea just to know what's going on under there. Coolio. Okay, so we all know that a major help to visually impaired people are guide dogs. Although some people just can't take care of a dog and some places are hard to get into with dogs. So... A student in Lowborough University designed a robotic guide dog. Well, is it like a robot that actually looks like a dog? No, but that would definitely be awesome. Yeah. This tech just replicates the functions of a guide dog. So, Thea is a portable and concealable handheld device that guides its users through outdoor and indoor spaces with little input. It uses a special control moment gyroscope, or CMG, to actually move the user's hand. So it physically leads them, like holding the brace of a guide dog. That is so awesome. I kind of want to, like, try that out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very curious how this CMG tech works, though. Like, how does it accurately guide people? Well, I don't know about the actual guidance through hand i don't know how it does that what kind of signals it gives off but it's programmed with some basic navigational stuff however it also processes real-time online data like traffic density and weather to accurately and safely guide users to their destinations and just in case of a high-risk scenario it has a, fa a fail-safe that pushes the user back into a manual mode similar to using a cane. Well, I'm glad to know that there's fail-safes in that. Yeah. Again, I have another question. Like, how does how would the manual mode work without having an actual cane? See, I don't really know that either, but it must have to do with that CMG. However, it tells your hand what is right there without the actual input of a cane touching the ground. Not sure if these are in development yet or not. That's cool. Hmm. Well, moving on to the next thing we have, it's living concrete. Wait, what? Yes, living concrete, and not like the kind in Doctor Who. This is made with sand, gel, and bacteria. That sounds like the start of a bad villain in a movie 
and also very <laughs> fragile. <laughs> Sounds fragile and like a villain. It does. <laughs> but researchers say this building material has structural load-bearing function. Get this, though. It's also capable of self-healing and is environmentally friendly. Well, so you never have to make repairs because it just does it itself. Exactly. The research team believes that this material paves the way for future building structures that could heal their own cracks, suck up dangerous toxins from the air, or even glow on command. Well, wait, like, oh, like bioluminescence? Considering that one of the ingredients is a bacteria, it could very well be. Our source didn't tell us much about this experimental tech, but we are assured it's revolutionary. Hmm. Keeping it hush-hush. Makes sense, but it sounds like it def definitely will be revolutionary. I agree. All right, so we got living concrete, but get this next one, right? Living robots. Hmm. How living are we talking? Yeah. Like cyborg cells. No way. Yes way. Get this. These concept robots are tiny hybrid robots made using stem cells from frog embryos. One day they could be used to swim around the human bodies to specific areas requiring medical attention or to gather microplastic in the oceans. Okay, well, <laughs> the body thing's a little unnerving. I don't know how I feel about little frog robots swimming around in my um, inside of me. <laughs> Though little frog robots does sound pretty cute. Yeah, do they have like the little like the red eye like cyborg? That would be awesome. <laughs> The microplastic removal from the oceans, that's that's a pretty nice application. I agree 100%. Um, I hope I said this guy's last name right, but Joshua uh, Bongard, I'm assuming, is a computer scientist and robotics expert at the University of Vermont who also co-developed co Xenobots, sa hmm. said about these living bots, they're neither a traditional robot nor a known species of animal. It's a new class of artifact, a living programmable organism. So they just like made a whole new thing. They just like reprogrammed a living organism. Basically, yeah. Hmm. Wow. So uh, the idea of them being in from frog embryos is just a little weird. Like, <laughs> where'd they... How... I just have, I have many questions. <laughs> My question is, what made them think, hey, let's, let's use a frog? I don't know. I'd like to not dwell on that. Yeah, that part is a little weird. <laughs> okay. Well, moving right on from those guys, we can't live without the internet, right? I mean, the way everything's on it right now, not for very long. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I mean, we need it for everything, especially listening to the Modern Fedora podcast. One benefit. Um, yeah, one, one definite Possibly plus. the biggest benefit of the internet is listening <laughs> to the Modern Fedora podcast. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, despite everybody's need for internet access and the Modern Fedora podcast, only about half of the world's population is connected. 
there are many reasons for this, but one of them is that sometimes the internet just isn't accessible in some places. That's a very sad truth. Yes. Uh, in fact, before I moved to where I live now, I lived in an area where the only internet available was barely just enough to get on Google. So, I speak from experience. It was bad. I <laughs> speak from experience. Being at his house was bad. Yes. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it, it was dangerous. Anyway, Google is slowly trying to solve this problem using helium balloons to beam internet into inaccessible areas. Beam me up, Scott. And then... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then other companies like Hyber are launching their own network of shoebox-sized microsatellites into low Earth orbit, which wake up a modem plugged into your computer every time it flies over. Okay, so we've got just a bunch of beams being blasted at us. Yeah. Uh, some people's worst nightmare, but hey, it works. I mean, it's <laughs> able to deliver internet across the world to like the most extreme areas so maybe Yay. they'll use a drone to like <laughs> hand deliver <laughs> here is your internet it's the amazon the drone <laughs> you know we've seen lots of balloons floating through the air that you assume a child has accidentally let go of what if it's actually one of google's wi-fi helium beam blasters well now you had to go and put that in my head <laughs> <laughs> Next How? time you see when you're just going to scream and cover. <laughs> How does that work, though? Fun. The helium balloon filled with internet. Like, does it get to a certain level and then explode? And then the internet sprinkles down over the people? <laughs> um, My assumption is it's not the balloon itself. I'm thinking it's going to be like a weather balloon kind of thing. Okay. That, that has makes, like a I'm device attached like, to it. <laughs> one of those sad little like balloons floating away. It still has a string attached to it from where it was held by a child. <laughs> it gets up high enough and just explodes. We're like, is that a balloon? Yeah. Is that is that this balloon or is that uh, this balloon? <laughs> just showering people <laughs> in internet. Yes. I'm glad that this is finally happening, happening to make internet more accessible to people. Yeah. My last one is pretty cool, if I do say so myself. Drowning forest fires in sound. I'm sorry, what? You heard me correctly. One day, forest fires could be dealt with by drones that direct loud noises at the trees below. <laughs> so they just fly over and scream at the fire? <laughs> <laughs> This is Flyo. Come out! Come out! No fire! And it's gone. I mean, basically, like like a pterodactyl. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, being near where the forest fire is, and all of a sudden there's just a pterodactyl screech? Oh, man. That's awesome. Okay, we need to call Dr. Hammond. Honestly, that's not what it is. Oh. The sound is made up of pressure waves, so those waves can be used to disrupt the air surrounding the fire, essentially cutting mm. off the supply of oxygen. Researchers at George Mason University have tested it, and at certain frequencies, the fire simply dies out. Wow, that's so cool. I wonder how much sound is required to do something like this, but I'm also wondering what frequencies are we talking about? Well, we don't have specifics, but apparently bass frequencies work best. So I just 
like picture this guy like a bass like a bass singer in a band. His house is on fire, and he just gets out and just sings at the fire, and it stops. <laughs> what I was picturing is some dude with a bass guitar, and he turns his uh, amp yeah. all the that- way up and just. <laughs> <laughs> that could work too actually john fontaine that we had guest on our show before he plays the bass guitar so if your house is on fire just call him up just call john fontaine have him try it on his house first and let us know if it works <laughs> is your house burning down don't grab a messy fire extinguisher just sing to it or call john fontaine the modern fedora podcast is not liable for damages <laughs> yeah just ignore that please anyway my last pick is coffee power <laughs> wow that is perfect for you i know right it's basically what i'm made of i'm not made of water I'm made of coffee so <laughs> lendon's coffee <laughs> it's, it's it's fine i've survived this long so lendon's coffee industry actually creates over two hundred thousand tons of waste every year yikes what do they do with that well that's exactly the question that um, the entrepreneur Arthur K is answering with his new company, BioBean. He's turning 85% of coffee waste into biofuels that can be used for heating buildings and powering transport. Wow, that is seriously awesome. I mean, imagine if we could get one of those converters in every home, then every morning after having your coffee, you just dump the waste into the thing and voila, eco-friendly energy. Imagine a coffee-powered car. Like, both me and my car are fueled by coffee. <laughs> Dun- then the world would really run on Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be a very delicious smelling future. The air would always smell like fresh coffee, and I, for one, am down for that. Ah, yes. Yeah, another plus. Well, I'd say that's a good way to end this discussion. I agree. I actually um, have to go make a cup of coffee. I'll be right back. <laughs> Unrelated. <laughs> Unrelated to the topic I had. So, moving on to some new and hopefully exciting for you guys. Um, also, but some tech news. Oh, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So diving right in, I have a question f- uh, for you guys. Have you ever gotten a new phone? Mm, yeah, I think everybody has. Yeah, I mean, if you have a phone, <laughs> then you have at some point gotten a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know the struggle of trying to switch all of your contacts and photos and everything over to your new phone, right? Oh, yeah. That's like the worst part. Mm-hmm. And especially when it takes hours. Yes, I totally agree. But have you guys ever switched operating systems from Apple to Android or Android to Apple? Yes, I used to be Android. Uh, no, always been Android. Okay. Well, Jaden, you understand this uh, uh, struggle then of having, of not being able to transfer everything over, or more specifically, not have our WhatsApp chats and everything transfer over. That's sad. Well, <laughs> this piece of tech news is more directed to an Apple switch to Android. Um, so WhatsApp announced um, 
yesterday morning that they're working on developing a feature on iOS for and for those that that don't know that's Apple's operating system but they're developing a feature that will make it so you can transfer your chat history over from the iOS to Android wow that's that's really good news because I know when I upgraded my phones that's Android Android so it's really easy WhatsApp just lets you keep it so that's that's really good for people that are switching yeah, good for them. I mean, if I ever get a new phone, Apple to a new Apple device is also super simple. But for people Sometimes who are switching, switch. maybe yeah, people like I to just... go back and forth, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so good for yeah. them. <laughs> Can't make up their mind. <laughs> so, Dominic, what other news do you have for us? I have some sad news for all of you Mario and Dr. Mario fans. Nintendo has announced that coming November 1st, the mobile game known as Dr. Mario World will be shut down. However, this is to be expected seeing as it's said by TheVerge.com, this game is the worst performing Nintendo smartphone game on terms of revenue performance. So it didn't do so great when it came down to what matters the most. And for that reason, it's being shut down. Aw, poor Mario. He finally got his doctorate. <laughs> now he has to go back to being a plumber. <laughs> I, I know, right? You know, I was just thinking about this story, and I remember playing Super Mario on my DS, like the little handheld on long cartridges. I just take it with me and just play Mario the whole way there. Yeah, I think everybody has played Super Mario, but I don't think I've ever played Mario on a mobile device Mm-mm. on a smartphone. I haven't either. I know that. I think they have like a racing game now. Am I correct in that? Oh, you're right. There is like a Mario Kart thing. Yeah. I think my little cousin has that. Mm. Does it work well? Because I think that's that was one of the problems is they never worked well. I have no idea. I've never tried it myself. I could <laughs> maybe I'll download it and like try it out and <laughs> let you guys know how it went. <laughs> yeah. Let us know in the blog. Tech reviews. <laughs> tech <you>. review. <laughs> Okay, Jane, you have some more news for us? Absolutely. So, a bold move by Instagram was announced yesterday that by default, they are going to make any accounts for users under 16 years old private. It's also limiting how advertisers can target young people. Previously, any user could be targeted based on their interests and activity information that Facebook collected from across the web. Now advertisers will only be available to target users based on their age, gender, and location. And this doesn't just apply to Instagram, it also applies to Messenger and Facebook. And in a statement released by the company, it says it's doing all this to limit how problematic users interact with Instagram users under 16. So, very good for Instagram to be taking all these steps to protect its users. Yeah, that's that's really nice to hear because that's one of the big concerns with social media is the things you can't control, the ads, all that kind of stuff. So we know that more security was needed and it looks like they're finally starting to do something about it. I agree, especially with everything that's going on. I like that on Apple, you can ask certain apps to just not track your data. Just politely like, can you not... <laughs> No, thank yeah. you, actually. <laughs> yeah. I definitely 
agree with that statement. And actually, speaking of Apple, I found a story that might actually shock some of you Apple fans. I mean, it shocked me a lot. But according to a report put out by TheVerge.com, workers at a repair facility used by Apple compare the working compare the working conditions to sweatshops. When further investigation was made, it was found that the bathrooms were oftentimes unsanitary and there was no AC. Now, keep in mind, this facility is in Houston, Texas. So I can't even imagine what it would be like in there, the machines working, a bunch of people with no AC, especially in the summer. But this, this facility not only does Apple, but also does Dell and Lenovo. So three companies that could have taken note, but didn't. And Apple told The Verge that it has the highest standards in the industry. um, And it has a whole page on their website talking about the the supplier responsibility. But the company is still, um, but still the company supplier is facing responsibility. Wow, that sounds absolutely terrible. I can't imagine. And that's. That's really hard to hear about because it makes you wonder what else is going on in these big companies that we just don't know about, especially since we know there are labor laws and such, not to mention just common sense of people. You said there are like three companies that know about it and nobody reported this. Like definitely seems like something shady is going on for sure. Somebody's getting paid off or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's just the the fact that that's so inhumane makes me want to believe that the higher-ups didn't know it existed just because I want to believe that people are humane. Mm-hmm. Well, especially since it's a company that everybody knows and loves so much and they're supposed to be so far advanced in technology to not even give AC to their workers. Like, that seems like something that should definitely be available. I yeah. Know. I it's, agree. It's really horrible. I mean... It's it's yeah. really sad to see things like this happen in the news. And you know that it's true. Like, you know that that's mm-hmm. not fake news. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I didn't get a chance to read the full uh, statement of the workers, but it, it is available online. And we can add that link in the description of this episode if you guys want to read it. Mm-hmm. All right. Hopefully that gets some attention. Um, this next story is a little more sciencey. But we're going to talk a little about the Hubble telescope. We all know it. We all love it. It's a pretty big piece of technology floating around somewhere. Um, somewhere. So story was... We don't yeah. know where it is. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows where it is. It's in space. That's that's all you need it's, to know. Yeah, that's all you need to know. Don't worry about um, where it's sp- looking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to know. <laughs> A story was released a couple days ago that said astronomers found some evidence of water vapor in the atmosphere of Jupiter's moon, Ganymede, the largest moon in the solar system, thanks to our old buddy Hubble. Um, (laughs) So, you know what this means, science buffs. Maybe one day we'll be able to go live on Jupiter, or at least on one of its moons. That's really cool. Hopefully one day. Maybe we can also sign a petition to change its name from Ganymede to Endor. <laughs> yeah, that's a way better name, in my opinion. Let's do it. <laughs> well, we totally do that. Enjoy this ad break. Mm-hmm. 
Some people believe that technology ruins lives, but a lot of times it's technology that saves lives. Don't believe me? Well, here are some stories of when technology came to the rescue. First up is a four-year-old boy named Roman. After his mom suddenly collapsed and stopped, re stopped responding, Roman used her fingerprint to unlock her phone and used Siri to dial 999, the UK's emergency number. Keep in mind, this boy was only four years old, but because of his knowledge of how to use technology, he saved his mother's life. That's so insane. I mean, I know that people complain about how young kids these days know technology too well, and that's all they are interested in, but sometimes it's a blessing. I agree 100%. I mean, thinking to use his mom's finger was genius like his mom just collapsed you know but he was uh -huh. with it together enough to know to use his finger i mean that sounds like something out of a movie oh yeah definitely and what's also interesting is not just his knowledge of technology but what he applied it to like he loves his mom mm -hmm. he wants to save his mom so it shows that it's not just oh technology rots youngins brains <laughs> it's yeah they're using it for good mm -hmm. i believe that that article talking about Roman also said that he thought his mom had died. Hey. And yet he still used Siri to call the emergency services and told them what was wrong. And that ended up saving his mom. So, I mean, that's that's a lot for like a person my age. I'm, in, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm 19. I can't imagine a four year old going through that. Like, Yeah, I'd be panicking. <laughs> I'd be like bawling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's crazy. So the next story is about a 24-year-old man named, I hope I get this right, uh, Vipin Kadze. Um, he was an MBBS student at the time, and he performed a complicated delivery aboard a train. He was able to do this because of WhatsApp. He messaged a group of doctors, and they were able to guide him through. They converted one of the train compartments into a makeshift delivery room, and Shika Malik, a senior resident, assisted Vipin in a successful delivery. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I knew WhatsApp was good for something. Yes, I guess if you're going to have a baby on a train, make sure you have WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my turn. So, a man named Joshua Neely was saved by his Tesla Model X after, after he suffered a pulmonary embolism. The Tesla drove itself on autopilot for over 32 kilometers, with Neely only needing to steer occasionally during the last leg. While calling an ambulance would definitely have been better, of course, Neely realized that it was much faster to just continue on in his car. Huh. And it worked. This is kind of why I wanted Tesla. In case you suffer a pulmonary embolism while driving? Okay, that and other reasons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I think everybody could use a Tesla. Yeah, that would be fun. I was thinking about that the other day when I was driving to Pennsylvania. I was like, it'd be nice to just like <laughs> not drive for a second. Like just to take <laughs> just my hands <laughs> off and just like chill. Yeah. And just look around and watch all the scenery. Tesla take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> take it from my hands. 
Gonna start oh, singing some good. country songs up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before that happens, my story. <laughs> <laughs> Stop us now. Stop us now. <laughs> My story is about an 82-year-old man named Guillermo de Vencilla in Wisconsin. <laughs> he had been missing for three days and volunteers, helicopters, and dogs all failed to locate him. Then, a skier named David Lesh used his drone to search. After only 20 minutes, David's drone found the man in a cornfield in bad shape. Whoa. That time difference, though, 20 minutes compared to three days of searching. Revolutionizing. Search and rescues. Definitely. They say every minute counts in one of these situations. So a drone is looking like the most effective way to find people. I'm starting to think so, too. So I got another story for you guys. In 2015, Chennai was hit with a bad storm that caused a lot of flooding. People got on Twitter and started the hashtag Chennai Rains to share share some information and to direct the focus on worst hit areas. It also helped rescue thousands of stranded people. In fact, Twitter itself joined in the movement and put all of its force behind this campaign. Who would have thought how effective tweeting would be? I would think that that would be a joke. Like, you're stranded in a flood and you're on Twitter? But hey, look how it turned out. (laughs) The power of social media, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Well, next story. Speaking of drones, a drone that was being used for aerial photography spotted two boys, aged 12 and 18, stuck on a rock in the rapids of Mechanic Falls, Maine. While the younger boy was wearing a life jacket, the older was not. So the drone was flown into the middle of the river with a haul line attached to it so that the boy could pull over a life jacket from the shore. Okay, we need a drone. I agree. Imagine all the good we could be doing if we had a company drone. A company (laughs) drone. A company drone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be really cool, except I am really bad at flying drones. So one of you will have to do it. Hey, no problemo. I will probably crash it into the side of a wall. (laughs) Or in the ocean, trying to save someone. Don't try the river stunt. That won't work. Oh, no, the modern fedora drone. (laughs) (laughs) No. If you guys want to know how to help us out, we need a drone, people. Help us purchase Mr. Fedora. (laughs) Mr. Fedora. (laughs) The flying fedora. (laughs) Oh, the flying fedora. Is that a bird? Is that a plane? No, No, it's it's the flying fedora. (laughs) Yes. So are those those, those all the stories we have today? Yes. If you listeners have a story about a time that you were saved by technology in some way, let us know and we'd be glad to hear it. You can message us on our website or on TikTok. All right, everybody. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If you did, feel free to share us with your friends so they can enjoy it too. Yeah, and if you have a brief moment after listening, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? We will read your review on a coming episode. And if there's anything you think we could improve or a subject you want us to discuss, 
message us on our website or at our TikTok. Yes. Speaking of that, uh, TikTok, actually, in the last um, the TikTok that we put out, a lot of you um, answered the poll that I put out. And um, I, I don't want to say the names um, because I didn't ask permission to have them um, spoken of. Spoken of, exactly. But we did get uh, some votes. So thank you for all of those that uh, were participating in that. Um, if you want to participate in it, I will tell you the social media info right now. It is the Modern Fedora Pod. Uh, it's on TikTok, as mentioned. You can leave a comment um, if you have an idea for a future episode, or if you like something in this episode, if you have a story you want to share, or if you just want to say, hey, you know, just uh, uh, leave a comment. You can duet our videos. You can stitch our videos. You can do whatever you want with our videos. Um, just whatever you want, eh? <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Just don't take credit for our videos. That would not uh -huh. be nice. We will call you out on that if you if you take our videos. But um, yeah, just so come talk to can us. You <laughs> can you tell us the current progress of our poll, or is that still a secret? Um, we got the majority voted for the frog being Captain America. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then I think I think four people voted for the frog being Captain America, and one person voted for the frog being Bucky. So. Mm. Majority rules. We got the frog as Captain America. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Gotta say, I'm with the Bucky one on that. Oh, man. Well, if after you check out the TikTok, you can also check out our website. It is modernfedora.simplesite.com. I write a blog there, I post every week. The day after the blog, the podcast goes up, and I share some more of my point of view of the episodes we have. If you'd like to check it out, I would be happy. <laughs> okay, stay safe, stay alive, and we'll be here next time on the Modern Fedora Podcast. Don't forget to wear a fedora. Considering that's one of the ingredients is back. <laughs> okay. My story is about an 82-year-old man named Dominic. <laughs> Jaden, take the wheel. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> okay, how do you say this really though? Guillermo? Or Guillermo? I think it'd be Guillermo de Vincia. She sounds Italian. Yeah. Okay, say Guillermo that one more time. No, thank you. Revolutionizing. What? <laughs> I say an Italian name. I say an Italian name with ease. And then I can't say revolutionizing. I'll say revolutionizing <laughs> and you say <laughs> <laughs> Yes, do it. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man. Oh man. Okay. <laughs>